Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, well, good morning, Momentum Church. My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, and uh, we're in a series called Tharby Dragons, and we're also around the Halloween season, right? And can I, I just wanted to give you, like, some free Christian advice, because Halloween is a difficult time for people, right? It freaks me out a little bit. Um, and, you know, so it's a difficult time a lot, uh, you know, for a lot of Christians because you're like, man, do I celebrate Halloween? Do I not celebrate Halloween? This doesn't need a whole sermon, but I thought that I would at least offer this, right? You don't have to be drastic and crazy if you've always celebrated Halloween and you're trying to figure out where do I start involving God into some of this because I don't necessarily see something wrong with getting candy or dressing up. I, I would say that maybe you're right, right? I'm not... I, I'm not somebody who advocates that you have to get rid of Halloween, right? And we serve the city with Kids Fest, which is a Halloween thing that they put on. And so it's weird for us as a church. But what I would suggest is that as a Christ follower, you can still celebrate Halloween if you want to and not dress up as anything evil, is that, is that easy enough to accomplish? Like, you don't have to dress up and represent darkness. You can dress up, like, I, my kids have costumes at home where they're Wolverine and a princess and stuff like that. I don't see anything wrong with dressing up if you want to dress up. And listen, for some of you older people, if you all want to dress up, I mean, that's weird, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> just listen, can, can we as a church agree that we don't need to represent darkness. Amen. We just don't. Like, if you want to dress up and participate, great. Go get yourself some candy. If you're over the age of 12, then we need to start talking. But go get yourself some candy. Dress up as something that represents light and fun to a dark world. We don't need any more darkness. We don't need Christians to represent more darkness. There's plenty here for us. Um, so that was not part of the message. That was just part of, I guess, an intro. So, um, yeah, so we're in this series called Darby Dragons. And listen, dragons are scary, right? Dragons are, you know, if dragons were real, we would all be totally freaked out by them. And um, I, I grew up, uh, you know, my parents didn't let me watch a lot of scary movies, right, which is good. But my older sister did. And so I, I grew up. Like, sneaking downstairs whenever my sister was watching me, I was supposed to be in bed. Mom and Dad, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I snuck downstairs to watch the movies that my older sister would be watching. And I should have known that whenever my parents told me, hey, listen, don't watch these movies because they're going to freak you out. I should have listened to them, but I didn't. And so I would come downstairs and hide behind the couch, and I would watch these terrifying movies that my sister was watching, and I'll never forget watching Chucky. <laughs> Listen, there's a reason my parents told me not to watch that movie. There is, nobody should ever watch that movie, okay? If that movie doesn't bother you, then you need to resensitize yourself because that is an awful movie. And as like a seven, eight-year-old kid, like that permanently, I think, damaged me. 
And so here was my solution, though. Uh, you know, because seven, eight-year-old kids, they have interesting rationale, right? And so my rationale to defend against what I believed was going to be an evil doll coming into my room in the middle of the night to kill me was I had all these stuffed animals, and I'm like, okay, let's think about this logically from my seven, eight-year-old mind. If there is going to be an evil doll that comes to life in the middle of the night to kill me, I also have all these stuffed animals, and they are loyal to their master. And so every night, I'm not making this up, my mom and dad can attest to this. If I, I don't know if they remember this. I would line up my animals around my bed at night. Y'all remember this? My mom's shaking her head yes. Yeah, I would line up my animals, my stuffed animals around my bed at night, and I'm like, all right, Chucky. <laughs> We'd have like a pre-war meeting, right? I'd be like, all right, guys, listen, there's this evil doll that I saw on the television. He must be real, so I'm, I'm counting on each of you troops. I know that for, for me, while I'm asleep, and, and so, listen, I know that... <laughs> I know that for, for me, like, that was a thing um, at least until I was 16 years old. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was a thing, right? And, and we're all scared of different things. And, and you would hope that as you get older, and, and there would be less things in your life that would scare you. We would, we would grow up, right? And, and, and all of the things in life that seemed to scare us whenever we were kids, now we realize, oh, man, there's nothing scary in this life. But we were wrong. And, and man, there's all kinds of different things in this life that are scary. There's all kinds of different dragons that rise up against us in this life. And there's all kinds of different reasons why you might be afraid. And that's actually the title of my sermon today. The title for the sermon today is God, I'm Scared. There's a lot of different reasons why you might be scared in here today. There's, there's all kinds of different dragons in different people's lives. And, you know, I mean, and, and something, something seems stupid, right? I, I mean, you, I, I wish that people would stop posting videos of, like, people getting abducted and beaten and stuff. Like, if that's you that posts those videos, please, in the name of Jesus, stop posting those because they freak people out, right? There's a lot of people that, honestly, you're scared because you've seen all of these videos over time of people getting abducted and beaten and all of this stuff, and honestly, you're afraid you're next, Maybe you go home to somebody. Maybe you live with somebody or around somebody who is physically abusive. And, well, they haven't, they haven't blown up in a while, but it's been a while, and you're nervous. When is the next time they're going to lose it? Maybe you're headed to a place that you know you shouldn't be headed to, you know, like a, a physical place somewhere that you know you have no business going to, around people, with people that you know you have no business being with. And that makes you a little bit nervous because, you know what, you actually have alcohol or you have drugs in your car right now, and, and the reason why you're scared is actually because you've been driving around with that stuff in your car for who knows how long, and you're just worried about getting pulled over every single time you get into the car. 
You're, you're nervous. You're scared that, that a family member, a spouse, a friend is going to happen to stumble across that stuff that's in your car, and they're not just going to find the stuff that's in your car, but they're also going to find the addiction that goes with it. Maybe you're nervous about your spouse finding all of the receipts. Maybe you're nervous about somebody finding all of the different websites on your computer. Maybe for you it's, it's losing a job. You're, you're afraid that you're going to lose a job. Maybe you're afraid of missing the next promotion. Or, or you know what? Maybe you have a friend or a family member who's terribly sick, and honestly, you're afraid you're going to lose them. There's all kinds of different reasons why people are, are afraid. And I think that for most of us, if we, if we listen to why different people were nervous, if we listen to why different people had knots in their stomach, if we listen to different reasons why people were genuinely scared in life, we would look at them and we'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But for others in here, you're nervous, you're afraid, you're scared, you're anxious, and it seems to be for no reason at all. So you have reason, but it doesn't seem to be justifiable by the world. It doesn't seem to be valid according to what the world thinks. Because you seem like you're pretty healthy. You seem like your family's pretty healthy. You've got a good life. You've got a, you've got a good job. Everything seems to be okay for you. So why is your stomach in knots? Why are you so afraid? Well, it's because... You're nervous about it all falling apart for no reason at all. You're nervous because, well, honestly, you're not sure that you can live up to your hype. You're not sure because you've had family and friends tell you, man, you are supposed to make something great out of your life, but you're nervous that you will never possibly achieve that greatness. Is it possible for you to live up to the hype? Is it possible for you to be perfect? See, there's all kinds of different reasons for us to be scared in here, all kinds of different reasons to be afraid, and sometimes you might think they're justified. Sometimes you might think they're valid. Other times, you just don't understand the reasoning, but we're still afraid. And today what I want to be able to do is I want to look at a short passage of Scripture here, and we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to just explore a little bit about where it comes from, right? And, and I'm not talking about just anxiety, right? because we've talked about anxiety before, and, and, and this is part of it. Anxiety is part of it. Um, that we're discussing, but it's also this physical fear that's within us. And so we're going to go to Second Kings chapter 6, and I'd like to set this up just a little bit for you. So we have Elisha and his servant, and uh, the king of Aram wants to destroy the king of Israel. He wants to take over, and uh, every plot that he has set up, the God of all gods, the God of Israel, the God of the universe, has been revealing to Elisha what is about to happen. And so Elisha warns the king of Israel. So now every plot that the king of Aram has against the king of Israel, the king of Israel is finding out, and he is not giving way to those plots. 
So now, of course, the king of Aram is very upset, and he thinks that he actually has a traitor among his, among his close friends. And so he's, he's calling out to his friends and the prophets saying, who is the traitor that's here with us? Because every time I go to do something, the king of Israel is always one step ahead of me. And what I love about this is people that don't even follow God see the power of God because they end up telling him, hey, listen, check this out. It's not us. You don't have a traitor among us. We serve all of these false gods. We serve all of these different things, these idols that we've made. And unfortunately, like while we enjoy worshiping them, they can't actually do anything for us. Like even these guys understand it and they're the ones worshiping them. And he says, but... There is a God over all of these gods. There is a God who is living and breathing and active in people's lives, and he's actually seeing into your dreams. He's seeing into your thoughts. He knows all of your secret plots, and he's telling them to a man named Elisha, and Elisha is giving your plans to the king. And so the king of Aram is very upset over this and decides, all right, fine, we're going to get rid of Elisha. I can't get rid of God, but I can't get, but I can't get rid of Elisha. So he, he takes his whole army and he circles the city where Elisha is, and, and Elisha's servant goes out and sees this army and is naturally very afraid at this point. And we're going to go to uh, verse 16. And Elisha answers, he says, Do not fear for those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So here we go as we start taking a look at why are we afraid? I think that our first stop needs to be with this prayer. This, this prayer is, uh, Lord, open his eyes. What, was, was Elisha's servant blind? No, he wasn't blind. He could see the army. That's why he was there. That's why he was so scared. He could see the army. And, and, and so Elisha realizes in a moment, though, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't see what I can see because we don't just have physical eyes. We also have spiritual eyes. See, there's a spiritual world around us, and I think that's step one. That's stop number one for us is that we have to be willing to admit there is a spiritual world around us at all times. And see, Elisha understood this, and so then he, he prays, Lord, open my servant's eyes. And, and whenever he did, all of a sudden, he sees all of these angels also ready for war. He's surrounded by them. And, and, and a lot of people, like, we have a hard time admitting that there's a spiritual world. A lot of people are okay with there being God. A lot of people are good with Jesus, and a lot of people are good with the Holy Spirit. Everybody likes angels. We like to make snow angels, right? Right? We like, we like the idea of angels, but we don't like the idea that we are actually in a spiritual world. Like, we can see all the physical stuff that's around us, but here's the thing that, that's hard for us, okay? Ever since creation, we have been trying to understand the spiritual world through a physical lens, as if the physical created the spiritual. But that's actually the complete opposite. The spiritual world created the physical world. 
the spiritual God who is spirit created all of the physical things that we see. And so whenever we try to, to view the spiritual world through this physical lens of things that we can see physically, like we cannot possibly comprehend what is going on in the spiritual world because that's not how things were created. I've heard it said that, that man created religion. Well, I, I understand the heart of that. I, I definitely understand the heart of that. But like, there are so many things that I think that we have taken and used out of context that aren't biblical, right? And, and, and I think that's one of those things, because we have to understand, like, at the heart of that, what they're trying to say is that, like, a lot of religious people have, have taken Scripture out of context, and they've used it to enact evil things, right? And so man created religion. It didn't come from God, right? Okay, so I get that. Right, but God also ordained the Sabbaths. That's a very religious activity, if you ask me. God ordained the sacrifice. Ultimately, He ordained the ultimate sacrifice that led to our salvation. I mean, so, right, I, I see what you're saying, and I'm not, I'm not opposing that. But if we take that out of context and we just try to blanket apply it to all of spirituality, I think that we have problems. And honestly, here's, here's another thing that I think that we've struggled with. I don't know if you've ever heard this preached before, but like, you know, Satan is around every bush, right? And, and, and so we get criticized for over-spiritualizing stuff. I don't know about you, but I've been criticized for over-spiritualizing stuff. Right, and and then you hear like, well, you know, Satan's not around behind any every bush, right? And just because your shoelaces got untied and you tripped over them, doesn't mean that Satan's out to get you, right? So we trivialize what Satan is doing in our lives. We trivialize the spiritual world, and so now all of a sudden. What I have been told is, is it's okay for you to believe in God, but it's not okay for you to believe there is an active spiritual world around you. I don't think I'm over-spiritualizing anything. I'm properly spiritualizing stuff. And I think that we need to view the physical through the lens of the spiritual, not the other way around. You know, and... and, and and science, man, I love science. Science is fascinating. My kid is obsessed with science right now and, and figuring out how you can do science magic tricks and all kinds of nonsense that, you know, sometimes I want to poke my eyes out with. And I'm like, give me that wand. And, you know, so, but he's all about science right now. And, and I love science because, you know, science tells us that there can't be a God, Right, a lot of science. There are some science scientists out there who are all about God and they see God in creation and whatnot. That's not the mainstream thought though, right? And and what I love is that science is trying to understand spiritual things. Like they're trying to understand creation. Well, hello, that came from God. Right? We know that that came from God. And so they're trying to understand all of this stuff through a physical lens. And so like, they created this Big Bang Theory. Okay, maybe the Big Bang Theory really happened. Right? If you are pro-Big Bang Theory, I am not against you. Okay? I'm just, I'm not. Here's my only question. If the ba Big Bang Theory is accurate and there is no God, right? Big Bang Theory means that everything came out of this one tiny speck of singularity, this, this tiny atom. Everything exploded out of that. My question, 
Where did the atom come from? All right, science, you tell me that. Tell me where that came from. Big Bang. All right, here's the other end of that spectrum, okay? The Big Bang Theory. All right, so we're still enacting the Big Bang Theory. And, and so now, according to science, our universe is expanding. The whole universe is expanding. Final question on that. What is it expanding into? Like, are we in a giant bucket somewhere and... And like we're expanding into this big bucket or I, I mean, because what I would tend to believe is that we're probably expanding throughout the in, eternal heavens. If if the Big Bang Theory is accurate and, and, and here's something else that I, I, I think is really fascinating. I learned I learned about this this week. Dark matter. Anybody heard about dark matter? Yeah, really fascinating stuff. And I'm not making this up. Go research it. Go research it. It's really fascinating. Right? So here's what dark matter is. Scientists have found dark matter. They found it. It is completely invisible. They have no way to tell what it is physically. They can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't touch it. It's invisible, but it has to be there because all of these galaxies couldn't possibly be held together based off of their mass and hold in the normal rotation that they're supposed to hold in unless there was something else holding creation together. <laughs> but we're stupid for believing that it's God. Like, whenever I tell somebody, listen, I believe in God. I believe that he is the creator of the universe. I believe that everything was specifically designed and created for his glory. I believe that the stars will sing his praises. I believe that he holds everything together in his hands. But you can't see him. You can only see the effects of him. Well, that's stupid, Brantley. But there is this stuff called dark matter. It's invisible, too. And it holds everything together. And I'm sitting here going, bro, you are trying your hardest. And I get it. You're trying your hardest to understand how an eternal creator of the universe can hold everything together. But you're viewing it through the wrong lens. See, you are trying to view everything that you can see through the spiritual, I'm sorry, through the physical. You're trying, to, you're trying to explain everything that you can't see through the physical. But you've got to be willing to look at the physical through the spiritual lens. Because at the end of the day, I can't comprehend when that amoeba, the serons firing and a nose, and a mouth, and have billions of neurons firing all at the same time inside of my brain. When did that amoeba decide I need a brain to operate better? And have everything function at exactly the right time in the exact right way so that I can eat my potato chips. <laughs> and peanut butter, amen, in the name of Jesus. And it is smooth, and all of you heathens who believe in crunchy peanut butter, <laughs> you need to view life through a spiritual lens. <laughs> There's a spiritual world that is active around us at all times. 
And we need to pray that our eyes, our spiritual eyes, are opened so we can see through the spiritual lens. Because there are things that if you got rid of them in your life, like you look and you see the job, you see the, the relationship, you see the whatever that's breaking down or that you're afraid of breaking down, and you see these things physically, and if you were to get rid of those physical things, the bottom line is, is you would still be afraid because there's still spiritual warfare that's happening around you at all times that you need your spiritual eyes to open up to. Let's go to stop number two here. Stop number two. There is a very real spiritual enemy that wants you to be afraid. If you believe the idea first that there is a spiritual world that is active around you, then you also understand there is a spiritual enemy, we call him Satan, and his fallen angels that are actively at work making you scared. There's a very real enemy that wants you to be afraid. Because here's the thing, if he can get you focused on being afraid, if he can get you focused on the idea that perhaps God will not help you, then he's just moved you one step farther away from your belief in God. He's he's moved you one step farther away from your purpose because you cannot successfully walk in your purpose when you are walking in fear. And it's a battle. It's a a real battle for for our hearts. But if we understand that we are living in a spiritual world, and that spiritual enemy is after us, then we've got to be willing to say, Lord, show me the enemy that's coming. Show me the enemy that's coming. Lord, we serve a God who, who put his Holy Spirit inside of us so that those things can be revealed to us. And we can say, Lord, you show me what the plans are. Lord, I'm feeling afraid right now. Why am I afraid? I see the whole job thing and whatnot, Lord, but, but I want you to show me what is the enemy trying to do in my life. Lord, what are you trying to do and what is the enemy trying to do? Amen. Because the enemy wants you to be afraid. Final stop here. Final stop. We need to believe that God is for you. You've got to believe it. And, and here's the thing. The reason why I did these steps in the way that I did is because if you don't believe there's a spiritual world that's going on, then whenever your niece or your nephew dies and you don't understand why, it seems like, man, such a pure and innocent little child. There, there's nothing wrong with this child. God, it doesn't make sense why they have to die. If you don't believe in the spiritual world and you don't understand there's a spiritual world around you, there is an enemy trying to wage war, then all you see is the physical issues. All you can see are the physical things going on in your life. And it's really difficult for you to be able to cope with the idea that there is something beyond just this physical world that is going on. There is something beyond just the darkness that you see around you. But if you believe there's a spiritual world and there's a spiritual enemy, it makes it easier for you to understand that God is for you. You see, 
I believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He created the stars in the sky. He created Adam and Eve. And whenever he created them, he created them in perfection. He created them in perfection. And then sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve. Satan came along, the enemy of our hearts came along, and he tempted them and, and, and lied to them, and, and they fell for the lie. And as a result, sin came into the world. Darkness came into the world. And what God did in that moment was he didn't just get, he didn't just get mad at Adam and Eve, kick them out of the garden and say, well, plan's over. Guess we're messed up now. No, what he did in that moment was he, he killed the first animal to take care of his people, of his creation. He said, oh, but I'm still, you've messed up, but I'm still going to take care of you. I know you brought darkness into this world, but I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still going to cover you. And, and sin and darkness, tragedy is going to enter into your lives at different times, but I am still going to be for you. I'm going to enact a plan over the course of thousands of years, right? Over the course of 4,000 years leading up to the point of Jesus, right? I'm going to lead up to, to where it's 2,500 years is going to go by from this point, and, and then I'm going to bring along a guy named Moses. And, and from there, whenever Moses comes into the picture. Y'all are going to be in bondage. It's going to feel terrible. You're going to cry out to me, but I'm going to hear you, and I'm going to set up a perfect picture for you all throughout time so that you can see that over and over again, in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your sin, I'm still going to deliver you. I don't care how much sin goes on. I don't care how much darkness you encounter. I'm still going to be the light to this world. And so after 25 years, Moses will come along, and he's going to deliver people, and you'll see this perfect picture of deliverance that I'm going to bring about. And then 15 years, 1,500 years later, I'm going to bring a man by the name of Jesus Christ to a woman who is a virgin, and she will, be, uh, she will become pregnant supernaturally. I'm going to bring my son who has emptied his deity so that he could come into this world to a fallen and broken world, to people who are experiencing all kinds of tragedy that I never wanted for their life, but I'm going to deliver you. 30 years later, historically, historically, this man by the name of Jesus from Nazareth, historically uh, uh, written down by non-Christian believers, historically, this man named Jesus of Nazareth comes onto the scene and starts shaking up Jewish theology with a little bit different interpretation. He starts shaking up Jewish culture with all of the miracles, the signs and wonders that he's performing. He raises people from the dead, and he says, I am the Son of God. All of your hopes and dreams, all of the 4,000 years have led up to this time. And he takes on disciples according to history. He takes on disciples, and a few years later, he's before a historical man. I don't care if you believe in spirituality or not. Go look it up in history. Non-Christian historians will tell you that a man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth showed up before a man who worked for Rome named Pontius Pilate, and that man condemned him to be beaten and crucified. And according to history, he was put on a cross and he was crucified, and they did not take him down until a sword pierced his side, a spear pierced his side, and he was pronounced dead. 
you got to believe that God is for you. Even when you encounter tragedy, because here's the thing. Whenever he was pronounced dead, three days went by, and everybody who believed in that man did not. You know how we know? Because if anybody had believed that he was actually going to rise from the dead, we would have heard about it by now. Three days went by, and all of the people that followed him around for three years, watching him raise people from the dead, heal the sick, bring God the broken into society, preach this gospel that he was the son of God. All of these people that believed in him doubted because that man historically was dead. But then on the third day, he came back from the dead. He took sickness, he took sin, he took all of those things down to the grave with him and said, I will not let you have dominion here anymore. You may afflict people, but you will not destroy them. Just like my friend Lazarus, you will not end in death here. This sickness will not end in death. Then on the third day, he rose back up from the dead. And nobody, nobody according to history has ever been able to find him. You know why? Because he went back to heaven to take his seat on the throne. There's a very real spiritual enemy around us who wants you to avoid that topic at all cost. Through the course of 4,000 years, it led up to him dying and raising from the dead and bringing about the salvation for the world. And then you flash forward another couple thousand years, and all of a sudden, all of your history, all of the times that you've experienced pain in your life, all of the times that you've experienced joy, the conversations that this week, the sleep you got last night, all led you up to this moment. You needed to hear this message. Whether you're here in this audience or whether you're online, you have been brought to this point because you need to hear God tell you, I am for you. I know it doesn't always feel that way. And right now while you're on earth, you can't necessarily have all of the answers possibly explained to you, but I am for you. You don't have to be afraid going to be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I don't care how many times you cuss me in the middle of the night. I don't care how many times you doubt me. I don't care how many times you give into the darkness. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. I am for you. We're going to have some time for prayer here in just a second. If you need prayer because you feel afraid, because you're nervous, you're anxious about whatever it is that you can see, and, you, and you're sitting there going, you know what, I, 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 I don't know, it, it all seems to make sense, but I want to experience it for myself, Brantley. And you want somebody to pray for your spiritual eyes to be opened, we're going to have our prayer partners down here in just a second. I want you to come down front, and I want them to pray for you. You come down willingly and say, Lord, open my eyes. 
And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, that they'll be able to see that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. I'm going to pray, and then prayer partners, could y'all come forward as I'm praying. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Prayer partners, come on down front. Listen, if you're in here right now, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you haven't believed in Jesus, you haven't bought into uh, the idea that there's a spiritual world around us, you haven't bought into the idea that Jesus is the Son of God, but now all of a sudden it kind of makes sense. And you realize that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person who really was crucified, was really buried for three days, and came back on the third day, and his body historically has never, ever been found, nor will it be. And you think, Brantley, I, I need that in my life. If you've never done this before, and, and you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart right now, please raise your hand so that we can pray for you. All right. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to be dismissed to these altars. Thank you so much, Lord, for the people in this room right now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are a spiritual God. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the king of the universe. You are the creator of all things, and in you, all things hold together. God, I just pray that you can open our eyes today, Lord, and anybody who comes down front, Lord, give a quickening, an awakening, Lord, like scales falling from Saul's eyes, Lord, and allow them to see what they haven't been able to before. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.mobile.com momentumchurch.tv